Hello, and welcome to episode 989 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, hello, sir. Hot stove! Ooh, it's kind of like basketball for, for once. What would you what'd you think of that? And I say think of that because it's over. It, it, it's, it's stopping now. But what did you think of it while it happened? Uh, I mean, it's not technically over, right? They've got till midnight tomorrow. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, they have. Well, but, is it tomorrow or tonight? No, it's tomorrow. It's it's the when first... the clock strikes to December second. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there, yeah, there is a day plus mm-hmm. more. But yeah, this is all like pre lockout. But yeah, isn't that what it reminds you of the NBA? Um, I mean, I don't really follow the NBA, so oh, well, they're they're when they open the doors it's like a black friday thing and it used and to be like that in football too i don't know if it still is I, or not. it might still be it might still be. i i know that their free agent period is also a little bit more condensed than uh than baseballs and i'm sure people that follow those sports a little bit closely than we do a little bit more closely than we do might uh shape us up on a little bit of the finer points of it but i'm i feel like they're both pretty frenzied when mm-hmm. they open and we don't usually see that with baseball um, and we expected not to here, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. They're getting everything in before the the lockout, and then the lockouts are probably going to happen. And don't freak out about the lockout until uh, quite a long time from now. Uh, the 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 formality of it happening here in in two days isn't that big of a deal in terms of the impact of 2022 baseball but obviously there are then ways it can go south but i've been enjoying the frenzy and that's all we're doing today is we're talking moves because there have been so many that uh, we have enough for an entire episode probably two but we're gonna fit it all into one here yeah i mean it's been really really fun to watch um I, I made a joke on the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast last night. Like, they should have labor strife every year. I love, right. you know, I mean, of course, this is like the one year I'm not going to do a draft guide. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, all the players will have, like, signed by the time, like, I would have actually been writing it and stuff. Yeah, and, all, all uh, of the stuff would have been done to, to keep it current, and you're not even doing that. Yeah. Now, do you think... And I have no idea is this is an acceptable answer, if that's if that's what you think... But do you think that this happening the way it is, this frenzied movement ahead of the uh, the lockout, suggests that there might not be uh, substantial moves to the CBA regarding free agency for this year regardless? Like if they make moves, they'll start next year? Yeah, that'd be my guess. Because um, then, you know, why would you be hurrying to do this if you thought that better things were going to come down the pike in terms of free, right? That's, that's, that's kind of where my thinking was with regards to this. I, I was just looking at it like, well, I guess they're not going to make sweeping moves to free agency, or at least for this year. If they do, I, I would imagine that they would all start next year. That's my guess. I, I don't think they even know at this point. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe they don't. They have to have an idea of like what the big sticking points are. There's more knowledge that, that the two sides have than the public for sure, right? I think so. I mean, I think they know where the sticking points are going to be. I just don't know that they have any clue of how they're going to come together necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be stressful. Like, I, I know you just said, like, don't worry about it. You know, it, you know let's let's make it to February. And if it's still, we've still got a problem, then maybe we solve a problem. But I don't know. This is, this is very, this makes me feel very nervous. Um I think the I mean, one I'm, thing that helps maybe put some extra 
uh, pressure on the owners is they just lost like a third of a season uh, or two thirds of a season. Two thirds of a season. Um, And so they know what that pain feels like. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the fact that they just went through this will prevent uh, them from like sticking too hard to their guns. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that's kind of kept me encouraged is is keeping around or, or, or keeping an eye out on things that like Jeff Passan's writing and, and guys like that that are in the know that I feel very comfortable aren't just carrying water for, for one side or the other. They're, they're, you know, giving us a straight dish. And everything I've read, you know, co- coming out of uh, Passan specifically because I read his whole big uh, 20 questions thing – I don't, I don't see, I don't see big reasons to worry just yet because I tend to believe that this is going to get done. I, I do too. Like I don't think we're going to miss games or anything. I think yeah. we might have a shorter uh, spring training. Um, sure. Which sure. the which players, all... I think most, yeah. I think most of the players would be okay with anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the players' union will sell the minor leagues down the river um which they've done you know continue to do over the course of their history anyways um that, that is a sticking point of disagreement for us i don't i think they're going to be smarter about that this time around yeah we'll see um i think I mean, we're they've constantly get done it and and they burn them they've ended up burning themselves in the mm-hmm. end yeah because we see that that they're they don't get the money up front and now they haven't been getting it as much on the back end i'm talking the middle and lower classes the upper class is still getting their money obviously but that's a tiny percentage so i i hope not maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking too i hope they don't sell the miners uh up the river just for the sake of themselves i, I hope they come up with something a little bit more cohesive for 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 all players involved yeah, uh, I think we'll get expanded playoffs. Um, I still am holding out hope that the DH comes in in, in 2020. That uh, one seems like a lot this time. And I know we talked yeah. about it a lot last year. It became a meme, and, and you were holding out hope till about the playoffs started. Yeah. I still, um, I'm still holding out hope. Still <laughs> you're still holding out hope for yeah. 21. Yeah, for 2020 uh, no, and I'm, 2021, yeah. It always pretty much all the way until like March. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm right back on board. Now that we're getting into a new situation here, I, I, I just don't see how it's not getting here. I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't uh, either. I very but... confident about it this time. I mean, we felt confident last year and we were wrong. So I, I'll, I'll eat that. We, we, we can mm-hmm. eat that pie, that humble pie together. Uh, but I do feel like it's coming this year. And I'd be surprised if that's not part of it. I, th- I think you're right about the playoffs. Some sort of uh, expansion is likely coming. So we'll see where the two sides get. But we got a lot of moves to run through. So let's dive in. And uh, we got two teams leading out front that, hey, man, they're trying to win the winter. And we know that winning the winter does not necessarily guarantee in-season success. Um, but, man, do you think Steven Matz knew the power that he wielded? because we'll get to him momentarily this isn't a this isn't a lead up to discuss him this is what he what he wrought uh with with apparently some sort of uh unprofessionalism by his uh representation that really irked steve cohen and uh put mats on the cardinals which again we'll get to later it sent the mets on a spending spree they're like we can't get steven mats then get everybody else (laughs) and they got starling Marte, mark canha and some dude named Maxwell in the span of like mm-hmm. nine minutes. Uh, so yeah, they go Scherzer, Marte, Canha, just three big signings. Let's take them in order of importance and start with Max. He returns to the division, the, the division 
as a Met, this is his villain arc at age 38, right? To, mm-hmm. to come back to the division that he used to dominate with the um, with the Nats as the enemy. What did you think about this deal here with Max going from Washington to the Dodgers for part of a season and now back east to the Mets on a big uh, uh, per per uh, annual average deal, uh, but only for three years. I think it's like 43 mil per year. We don't get too much into the numbers because they don't matter for fantasy, but I just want to point out that it's a shorter term deal and a ton of money. Do you like Scherzer as a Met? $43.3 million a year. Um, Good. I mean, yeah, I love Scherzer as a Met, and especially as a Giants fan. <laughs> yeah. Get him out of L.A. Uh, I kept waiting because, like, there was that, like, you know, all the, you know, rumblings. Oh, he's close to doing a deal with the Mets. And then all of a sudden it went, like, dark. Like, and it got really quiet. And it's like, oh, no. And then the Padres called the Mets and said, we, no, we, we can talk you through this. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, and then and then it got done. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's a little strange because... I mean, when he was on the trade block, you know, at the trade deadline last year, all the talk was he wanted to go play for a West Coast team. Um, and so for him to, uh, I mean, they must have just blown every offer uh, out of the water. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that. I, I, I love the, listen, when I say that, like, this is something I thought of, it doesn't mean I created it, um, but the bigger per uh, per year deals have been something I've been doing in video games for years. And again, mm-hmm. not the only one. So I'm not saying like I created this, but I love seeing that it's trending more in real life because I like to pay up front for the quality that I'm getting. So if I sign a superstar, his first three years are going to be off the charts. And then I try to bring it down so that he's not an albatross. In the case of Max, he's already 38. So they only need to go three years, but they're paying him those big de- those big bucks. Um, because hey, it's only three years. Let's try to get the big deals. Let's try to get the the big years up front. And I like to see more of these long term deals, maybe scaling down as they go forward. By the way, I also forgot Eduardo Escobar. I knew there was a fourth mm. player that they got, and he's pretty solid, and he is fantasy relevant. So we'll get to him. But yeah, Scherzer with New York. We know he can handle this division. Um, is he in the top? three of players you would say would not be phased by like New York media. Cause I know every time somebody goes to New York, we're like, well, can he mentally handle it? Which is a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of fluff there, but do you have any ounce of concern that he couldn't handle it? Uh, no, I mean, yeah. he, like he's... I'm saying he's the top three player of people that I think. And I don't think it. of the Mets when I think of New York media. I mean, that's Maybe. true. It's not the same as, as the Yankees, but it is still New York. And, yeah. and it is, it is a, a question that people ask, which again, I think is, it's usually overblown. Um, where do you have Max on your rankings right now? And did this facilitate a move one way or the other? Uh, I have him second. Okay. Uh, right behind Garrett Cole. Um, won't facilitate a move. I've been toying with the idea of, of putting Corbin Burns above Scherzer. Um, and I, I did do that, by the way. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, you know, nitpicking. It's just the age. And mm-hmm. I actually have his teammate above him, too. Oh, his, DeGrom. His new, his new teammate, yeah. And I love DeGrom, but I'm so scared close. of the health. And I understand that, but I have a little bit of... Scherzer fear too, being that he's 37. And I know that we talk about this. He's a unicorn, mm-hmm. right? And, but so was Verlander. He was a unicorn. There was nothing that you could see in his profile that would make you concerned. And then he had to have TJ because sometimes bodies just break and age wins. Um, but I still really like Scherzer and I don't have any 
concerns about uh, about him being great. If he's healthy, he's a god. Uh, yeah. So we don't need to be labeled that. Let's move over to Marte, their next biggest signing. Now, this one, the Mets fans, I'm a little nervous about this one for them. And I'll tell you why is, and we've talked about this in the fantasy realm for a while now, my man doesn't play. Like, he misses time. And I, I, I think at least some of it is related to the fact that he takes he takes a beating at the dish. He's one of the highest hit by pitch. I think he's number two to Anthony Rizzo since he's come into the league. Marte is. And his game's played, and I'll throw 20 out. He did play all year in 20, by the way. In fact, he played extra. He played 61 games because when he moved yeah. to the— He played uh, more games than anybody else. Yeah, more than you could even possibly play. Mm-hmm. So he kicked ass that year. But He literally gave 110%. <laughs> 132, 145, 129, 77, 153. That's all the way back in 2015. And then a pair of 135s. Does signing a 33-year-old um, with with these health issues give you any pause about it? Or because he delivers the impact that he does in the time that he plays – essentially full seasons worth you're not as concerned where, where do you come out on that with Marte yeah I don't have major concerns I mean just what he does on the field like you mentioned it kind of overwrites it so I mean you you, you add in replacement value uh I from think a fantasy standpoint you're talking yeah so when, from you, a fantasy when standpoint, you draft him mm-hmm. you get somebody to put in for 40 games if he only plays a buck 20 yeah and so I, I have no problem with him being a second round pick uh and the weird part is like I assume the Mets will run because they've added Marte, they've added Canha. Canha runs too, yeah. Yeah, and so like, but they don't have a manager. So we don't know what their managerial tendency is. <laughs> so funny to say. Like, but they don't have a manager. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, we can't really be sure that they're going to necessarily run because we don't know who's managing them. Um that being said, I mean, I've always been a Starling Marte guy. I continue to be. Uh, I think this was um, a, a pretty good signing uh, by the Mets. Let, we'll see how it ages, for sure. I yeah. think they're definitely, uh, you know, I mean, like you said, he's a guy who's been banged up. Uh, and then he's also had a PED suspension in his career as Correct. well. Uh, so uh, it may not age as well as, uh, you know, they would like him to, but... It, they're they're pushing their chips in and you know what good luck i i, I you know i kind of hope the mets have some success just because their fan base is uh it, you know it's fun to watch them as like kind of lovable losers but at some point you yeah. want the lovable losers to win exactly you know and i i hope so too because like i've talked about it on here about the whole mets gonna mets and sometimes i want to roll my eyes and then they do a mets gonna mets yeah. and i'm like yeah everyone was right again i should have just gone with it because it's the most bankable thing in sports uh, but I hope, and that one of my best friends, you know, Paul Costava, mm-hmm. diehard Mets fan, always rooting for them, uh, uh, you know, for him. We're basically a, a, a New York, and I grew up in the Midwest. I now live in Texas, but uh, a Midwest version of one another. Uh, so we know about dealing with hardship with our teams. He's also a Jets fan. I'm obviously a Lions and Tigers fan. So we commiserate That's a lot. Brutal. And I know. The, the the teams that we've chosen, like, Two of the biggest. I should have gotten into hockey or something. <laughs> well, we are. Uh, and he's an Islanders fan. I, I grew up a Red Wings fan, so th- there was some moments there uh, for me as a Red Wings fan. But we'll see. We'll get to my Tigers shortly. But we're still with the Mets here. We'll put Canha and Escobar together a little bit because my first question about them isn't about them. It's the fact that they've displaced. They already had a logjam, Justin. Mm-hmm. 
with J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, and Dom Smith not all being able to fit in because Cano's going to return and Pete Alonso's still there. Now they've relegated those three to the bench with the Canha, Escobar, and Marte signings. What the hell are they going to do with those three? J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, who's in, who's out? Assess those three before we get into the two new acquisitions. Well, I, like we said before, I think we we both assume there's going to be a DH. So that'll give... Yes. Then That's one spot. Another spot. My guess is that would be Dom Smith's spot. That's what I hope it is. They might see it as a Dom Mc, uh, Dom Davis it split. Be. Because Dom was terrible last year, unfortunately, and I was very big on him. Got that one flat wrong. I thought he was going to build or at least continue what he was doing in 20. He went completely the other way. He was dreadful last year. It was really tough. Um, and J.D. Davis was good, but only played 73 games. They could end up being a bit of a pairing there. So then do you think McNeil might be on the outs trade-wise? Uh, no, I think McNeil becomes a super utility guy um, okay. for them. You know, I mean, because Nimmo can't stay healthy. We've already talked about Marte's yeah. struggles uh, with health. Like, is Robinson Cano really going to be on this team? Um, I mean, they're paying him. Yeah, but they clearly do not care about money. <laughs> That's true. If they could find a way out, I don't know that they would just outright cut him, though. I think it'd be they more might. Of like, I, I think they're going to try to put the best product on the field. And if Robinson Cano that is doesn't not include him, that, I think that includes him. It could. He's still like, hey, you know, he's injured games. right now. He got injured but, in Dominican Winter League. Oh, he did. Mm hmm. Oh, okay, I did not know that. So, so yeah, they've got moves to make still, uh, both perhaps in the free agent market and with their roster. I wonder if uh, they because, make like a I trade. Said, yeah, if, yeah if, I feel like they got to have something coming because they push those three guys all to the bench. Um, even if you say DH, which we firmly believe, okay, that helps. But it's still a little bit of a misshapen team that they need to figure out. So let's talk about Canha and Escobar because, by the way, they're both going to be 33. So you talk about the health uh, of – of Nimmo, those two might be health concerns a little bit themselves. Uh, Canha specifically had an in injury this year that really derailed his season. It was going really well when he came back. He wasn't quite the same. Still ended up with a pretty solid year, but not quite as good as it could have been. Escobar, meanwhile, uh, tore the cover off the ball for the beginning of the year. Wasn't quite as good uh, down the stretch with Milwaukee. Still ended up with 28 homers, though. His power has really emerged. I remember when he first covered 20, and we were like, Eduardo Escobar? And then he goes 23 the next year, then 35, and then it was 2020. So he only hit four in 54 games, and then 20, uh, 28 this past year. But he only hit six with Milwaukee. He was uh, he was more of an on-base batting average kind of guy with them, interesting line. But he's solid. He plays a bunch of spots. Cannot can actually play all the outfield spots plus first base. So he's got some flexibility. Um, I think both Escobar and Canna are kind of neutral moves. I know Milwaukee's a good place to hit, but Oakland wasn't. So going to City, I think it's relatively neutral for those two. I still like both. Do you do you favor one over the other between Mart, Mar, uh, excuse me, Escobar and Canha at the draft table? I mean, I, I think I favor Canha uh, just because he brings the speed component. Yes. Uh, you know, at and at affordable rate. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm trying to bring up his ADP right now as, as we. While, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll let people know he was tw twelve for fourteen on the bases, four for four the year before. Uh, didn't really run much before that. So it is new, but it shows that he has the skill. And if the Mets do at least turn on something of a yellow or greenish light, uh, he could be a bene beneficiary mm -hmm. there. 
Uh, Currently going pick 263 on NFBC. I'm taking him again this year. Yeah. I mean, he's also been hitting very well the last four Mm -hmm. seasons. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's too low, and his price will jump up. I think uh, either later this week or next week, I'm going to start my ADP movement articles, uh, and because we'll see a lot of these guys jump uh, after their signings and stuff. Uh, we saw uh, we saw Marcus Simeon go in the first round of of a few DCs in the last uh, few days. So let's use that as our segue here to talk Texas mm-hmm. uh, because they've also been super active. Marcus Simeon, John Gray, Cole Calhoun, also in the span of, of seemingly minutes. It wasn't really minutes, but all of a sudden, boom, Texas, three big moves. Well done. And Simeon being— You don't uh, even have Seager on there. I, I didn't even put—I was just about to say, I just saw it. I, I didn't even put Seager on there. Four big moves. See, I was trying to keep this updated, and I couldn't even keep it updated. I'd forgotten Robbie Ray, too, by the way. Um, so, yeah, four giant moves, a brand-new middle infield. Let's talk Simeon first because you brought him up uh, with regards to him going first. In the first round, I should say, I— don't love that i think that (laughs) is a bad idea like there's virtually no shot he was going to hit 45 even if he stayed in toronto because don't forget he got to play in two cushy parks dunedin and buffalo for part of his season this year that certainly helped him drop 45 on the league now he hit 33 a while in oakland so credit where it's due and 23 of his homers did come on the road this year but come on this was a career year and 21 of his home runs came after they went to Toronto. Hey, f- fair is fair then. You know, so, uh, it wasn't it wasn't just hitting in those in those smaller parks that drove it. At the same time, you don't believe he's going to hit 45 again? Absolutely do you? not. I, I I certainly don't. There, I I don't know if there's a, a bigger stand for Marcus Simeon in, in the fantasy industry than me. Um, he's been my boy for a long time, and this was like the worst possible landing spot. Because for... that park is not playing hitter-friendly yeah. at all. And we'll talk about the pitcher they got, which we really mm-hmm. – that's going to be a great move for him. Now, again, he hit 33, Semyon did, in Oakland. Yeah. And he was a good hitter out there. So maybe it's not going to be crushing – but you have to at least look at it and say, okay, I got to bring this down. And because there's also one thing I do love, you talk about teams running, Texas runs. Under Chris Woodward, they're the second most uh, uh, running team out there behind KC. Only, uh, that's the only team that beats them. So the 15 for 16 that we saw, he could keep that going. In fact, he could offset some of the power losses with speed gains if he adds like another eight to ten stolen bases and and hits you know between 20 uh, reaches 20 and 25 uh, with the stolen base marker he could come all the way down to like 30 homers and the total line might still be very good there for marcus simeon but if you're paying first round he has to do that stuff you're at you're, you're 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 leaving no room for a come down which coming off a career year is always a bad idea so if his price is going to rise like that, and I'm sure those were outliers, but if his price is going to rise like that, I'm out on Simeon. What do you expect from him in Texas, though? Let's put some numbers to this as far as an idea. He's shown to be a workhorse, but I think it's still hard to project 162 games, even though that's literally what he's played in the last two full seasons. So what do you what do you see in Simeon be able to pull off in the uh, in the coming season, first year with Texas? Uh, I'm going to say high 20s homers. Okay. 
15 to 20 stolen bases. Okay. Uh, 260, 270 batting average. 260, 270. Okay, can deal with that. And then the runs and ribbies is probably the sticking point right now that's yeah. really going to hurt his value. Depends because... on where he hits in that lineup. Like it's... Yeah. We got him number two penciled in, in between Willie Calhoun and Corey Seager, who we'll get to in a moment. Um, that lineup got a great infusion uh, because I think even the Calhoun signing is nice. But Seager Simeon uh, is a great infusion. It's still a tough lineup. And even if I give you Josh Young, you know, three weeks into the season, it's still a tough lineup. Do you think they're done making moves? Uh, no, I think they'll make some smaller moves. I don't know that they're going to make any major splashes. Necessarily. They're cowards if they don't get Trevor Story. They're absolute cowards. Put them at third. <laughs> and put I say kind of fluff aware. Uh, on the bench where he belongs. In the, or back behind the dish. Josh Jung, I mean, you know... Yeah, I, yeah. That's, no, third, third is third is young. So that's why no, they would not sign Storm. They I, might my guess is like they could. They obviously that that rotation needs help still. That's that's um, the biggest question right that now in terms of bullpen is atrocious. Yes. Um, and that's the last piece that you get together. This isn't necessarily a contention year, nor does it have to be for them. No, I mean, this why they the sign these right guys to such long term deals is they don't have mm-hmm. to necessarily compete this year. Maybe they're setting it up for next year. You know, I did get a interesting question um, uh, from someone on Twitter, like, "Hey, does Texas activity make you think that there will be a salary floor?" Um, mm. I don't know because other Not teams necessarily haven't gone crazy. Like Pittsburgh yeah. is still shedding payroll somehow. Um, yeah, they they moved Stallings and then signed Roberto Perez, so that six one half dozen the other it seems yeah. like. But I'm sure they. Uh, but I mean, the Rockies have expressed interest in in Chris Bryant and Michael Conforto. Uh, so like maybe there are going to be so, like maybe there will be a salary floor. Maybe the owners are preparing for it. I, maybe I, don't know. I think it's more of Texas seeing an opportunity to start their window again though like they're I, a team that they, they're not trying to be if this tells you scrub team. anything it's that every team can afford these players which like there we, are no small market teams yeah I, I went off on this last night they're uh, billion yeah they they can all afford these guys like they they, they just spent like 600 million dollars in about 10 minutes mm-hmm. um like, it, it, the funny thing is and people would classify it, so I'm not I'm not digging at you. I'm saying just in general, the idea that the Texas Rangers that play in Dallas would be considered small mm-hmm. market is hilarious. Yet because they had a fallow period here where they've been a lower end team and they haven't spent a bunch of money, they are given that tag, and it's like no. And people saw when they were competing and winning four division titles in seven years and finishing second twice, they had one dud year mixed in there in 2014, that they can be a high-end team spending money because they're in Dallas freaking Texas for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And they're making money hand over fist. Um, So I like to see them put out that big money for their new middle infield and their new ace right now. Now, he's not necessarily an ace. He is their ace. And we'll get to John Gray in a moment. Let's talk Corey Seager, though. Um, this was a team that they had some rumoring for him. Most people, I think, were kind of dead set on the Yankees getting. Uh, I, here's the thing: the way I interpreted the market was 
he either goes to the Yankees or goes back to the Dodgers. That's what I was reading the most. Doesn't mean that's what was happening, but that was like the early sentiment on Seager. Texas was mentioned in a few of the articles I read that like keep an eye on Texas. They've got money. They need middle infield. They could get one of Seager's story or Semyon. Instead, they got two of them. Um, so they get Seager here on on a on a huge deal. You and I have had this discussion before regarding his health. Hmm, I think when we when we had that discussion, I think I laid out a pretty good case. But he did have a dud year this year with 95 games. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is another season. Now you have 18 and 21, where the injuries really hit. That was 26 games in 18, 95 this year, uh, 134 in 2019. I, I anything over like 500 and 500 plus plate appearances, I feel like okay. That's what we're expecting out of players today because guys just don't play 162 the way Simeon does. He's he's the unicorn now. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing sub – well, not quite sub 400. He got 409 plate appearances. But when you're down there, that's tough. So that's still a looming question. Can Seager be an Ian Kinsler, Evan Longoria, who had some early injury struggles only to become a bit of an iron horse in the second portion of their career? Or – is he somebody that uh, that you're concerned about still getting out there on the field, you know, for the full six months? Because it's been a mixed bag. He's going to be 28. The one thing that I do like, though, is there aren't really any consistently nagging injuries that Seager has had. Um, he's had a few different things crop up. Where do you currently stand on Seager going into his age 28 season and now playing in Texas? Uh, I mean, I think he is, I mean, in terms of, like, fantasy value – or actually, we'll, we'll do real life. I, I, I'm just shocked he got this money. Absolutely really? shocked. He has had, he has not had a 20 home run season since 2017. Um, you know, you know, and I've had the discussions on you know his health history. Uh, he was a guy. You, you, you've up. underrated him for years. So that's yes. why you're surprised. Yes, that's 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 what it is. Um, you know, he was a guy who was when he was coming up from the minors that they all like almost all reports said he was going to move off shortstop at some point, moved over to third mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had back issues. He's had hip issues. That's a huge investment for a guy. It's a lot. I'm I not going to suggest otherwise. Um, and like, I understand like Texas is, you know, coming off of a hundred loss season. They're going to have to overpay people to get them to go there. Like that's, you know, that's, and it's a hitter or it's a pitcher's park now. Um, too. So especially to get hitters to go there, I'm sure they had to overpay in order to get them. Uh, it just seems I don't know if it's an overpay dangerous. though, in terms of in terms of what anybody else would have had to pay. I think that was the going rate. I think I still think there's a little bit of a disconnect on on your outlook on him. I, I hear you on the 20 homer thing, um, you know, because we it's been since 2017 because he had the dud 18. He only hit 19 in 19. He actually hit 15 last year. So it's weird that he almost got there in the 52-game season that he played and then had 16 this year in 95 games. So I I hear all that, but I think teams look at Corey Seager and they see a guy who, uh, when he plays, has been great. And if if they like the medicals in terms of projecting forward, I think that's how they get get comfortable with with such a uh, a financial outlier for him uh, because i mean he he's still great when he plays yeah. right I there, mean, has... i'm like there's no doubting his talent you yeah. go over like look at his savant page it's like pretty much all blood red um except for defensively 
she didn't yeah, move. which he might move to third. I, I totally hear that, too. But if you look, since he came up to the league, he is 26th in overall war uh, among hitters. And the impressive thing about that to me is that he's done it in 2,710 plate appearances. And you look at somebody like Anthony Rizzo, who's actually dead even tied with him at 23.7 war. He needed 41.65 to do that. Part of that is the the position, first versus short. But everybody around him, 38.77, 30.29, 40.18, 32.26, 4,000, 3,500, 3,300. All these guys have way more plate appearances than him, and yet he's putting up a similar war mm-hmm. in 2,710. And I think that's what teams saw, and in, in this case, Texas, an excellent plate profile, too, with his strikeouts and walks. That if they can find some health, he can be a god for them. But you got to find that health because you yeah. can't get your value in 125 games a year out of him. I agree with that for Singer. Yeah, and I mean from a fantasy's perspective, like he's not, he's not like overpriced. He's going around pick 68 right now. Like that, which is fair, fine. Um, yeah, because he doesn't run, and you do lose that mm-hmm. that playing time. So you do need a little something back on on the price there to to want to pay for him. I, I yeah. agree with that as well. You know that puts um, him at shortstop eleven. Shortstop is loaded. Shortstop is it, it's dumb. Like it, it is, is so yeah, crazy. Insane. Now you said uh, you said Semyon had gone up at least in in a few instances of drafts. But overall, what I'm looking at here on the draft champions is he's still at uh, pick twenty nine on average. Do you like Semyon at pick 29 or Seager at pick 64? Yeah, if those are going to be the prices, I think I'd rather have Seager later. I'm probably not going to have many of either of either of those guys at the price, but mm-hmm. I'm not taking Simeon inside of the second round. Simeon, to me, is probably a third or fourth rounder. Yeah. I um, mean, that, that park... Um, so baseball savant has the thing expected homers mm-hmm. by park. Now, obviously, he didn't play his whole. You you never play all your games at home, but it is still il, uh, illustrative. I believe I said that word properly, of what he's dealing with. His expected homers by park, if he played everything in Toronto, would have been forty three. So he only uh, he would have lost two. So you can say maybe he only gained a couple by playing in those smaller minor league parks. Do you want to know what his number was with Texas? Uh, thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah. Oh. Wow, that was a good guess. You absolutely nailed uh, it. And, I mean, let's also not downplay the fact that he's going to be playing in other bigger parks. Like, he doesn't get to go play in Yankee Stadium and, and go he goes, play. Yep. Yeah, he's going to be... Texas, Oakland, and Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, Anaheim. Uh, sure Seattle. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say Seattle. Sorry, I said Texas. You know, so, I mean, it's not... <laughs> we're not talking about... Uh, great parks. Uh, I mean, yeah. I still think he can hit 30 home runs. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think I'm, so too. I'm going to conservatively uh, for... project him for, you know, like probably 28, 29, something like that. But I, you know, we've seen him hit 33 in, in Oakland. So, uh, there, there's no reason to think he can't probably do that, uh, in Texas. The, the <laughs> He's probably a earn... third round pick, like a, a mid to late third. That's where I'm most comfortable And the key to earning the money. Uh, that he's going to be paid in in fantasy uh, is the steals, mm-hmm. and if if he does turn it up, then I'm um, I'm all over it. I'm yeah. all over. By the way, I'm getting a little breaking news here. Sorry, you're probably hearing me like stutter. I'm I'm trying to read this. 
we got a little breaking news. It won't quite lead into our next thing. So it's not that breaking. I'm just going to put it on the sheet here. You can watch me put it on there because it goes with the team that we're going to talk about. And a player that we talked about earlier. From oh, wow. See that? Uh-huh. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. I know that uh, by the time you guys hear this, that'll all be covered news. But, yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, let's finish up with the Rangers, though. John Gray. Now, if he gets out of Colorado. Oh, my God. I hate, I hate Colorado so much, dude. I could not imagine being a fan. Uh, my heart goes out to every one of y'all. I'm a Detroit fan, and I feel extreme pity for y'all and empathy. And I'm a Detroit fan, all four Detroit teams. And I feel terrible for Rockies fans. And frankly, I think I'm I'm right to feel pity for them because of how terribly they're run. What did we hear Jason when they uh, Jason uh, Justin, what did we hear when they didn't trade John Gray? What was the no, reason? Oh, we're, we're going to try to keep him long term. Oh, yeah, so we shouldn't do that. So, you know, we'll we'll talk with him, we'll get a dis- we'll get a, a discount, we'll get a deal in order and maybe we'll just offer him a qualifying offer. But we'll get something for him, right? What happened to him, Justin? He he didn't even get a qualifying offer. What do they get for him now? Nothing absolutely nothing what a stupid fucking organization yeah sorry there's my f-bomb of the episode Uh, they're so inept it's unbelievable but anyway i'm glad because not i again i feel bad for their fans but i i i the second they didn't give him a qo i was like i hope they don't re-sign him i hope they botch the living hell out of this and they did he goes over to the rangers for four years obviously for years we've been saying get john gray out of colorado most people want Marquez out of there most, but mm-hmm. get Gray out of Colorado. What can we get? Then you get the uh, the not as smart fan. I'm sorry. I I think if you just do this, you're wrong with it. With anything, a Colorado hitter or a Colorado pitcher, be like, well, he has a 4.65 ERA and a 1.39 WHIP on the road. Isn't that just who he's going to be if he leaves Colorado? No, that isn't who he's going to be. He does have an interesting split where he's actually been a tinge better at home. 454-128 is his ERA and whip in Colorado versus the, those road numbers I gave you for Gray. But he pitches two different ways, Justin, mm-hmm. um, to accommodate the home road with, with the Coors hangover effect and what it does to his pitches. I think he's going to have a lot better time just being able to go out there and pitch essentially one way now you still alter where you're at and everything in the lineup you're facing but he pitches two distinctly different ways home and away he won't have to do that anymore is he not a good candidate to to improve here just being out of colorado or do you believe those home those road numbers and you're one of those guys saying well technically he's got a 465 era on the road so is he gonna be any good is that you <laughs> yeah that's me uh that's no you? That's you? of course up your not. glasses that you don't have uh, <laughs> excuse yeah. me I have the glasses. I'm getting I mean, old. I do too. I need to see. Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, I have inadvertently when I'm about to like correct someone, caught myself pushing up my glasses first, and I'm like, I'm the biggest. You dweeb are that alive. guy. You, you I, are I that am guy. that guy. Yeah. I, I am the well technically guy. I freely admit that. Um, but when I accidentally am pushing up my glasses at the same time, I shove myself in a locker. At that point, <laughs> we have a locker here, just like a standalone locker, and I go shove myself in it uh, when I correct somebody whilst seems pushing right. my glasses. And it seems fair. But anyway, John Gray, give me your thoughts on him in Texas, please. Uh, I, I love this for, for him. I mean, he's going to go from probably the worst stadium in baseball to pitch in to one of the best stadiums in baseball uh, to pitch in. Uh, he was really, really good uh, until he kind of fell apart at the end of the season. 
mm-hmm. if you look at his numbers, uh, you know, from April through July, uh, 362 ERA uh, with uh, 95 strikeouts and 104 innings, um, you know, and that's, you know, again, some really tough competition as well, pitching in the, uh, uh, in the NL West uh, and not getting to face your own team. Uh, so I think this is, I mean, this is the best move the Rangers made in my opinion. From a bang for their buck standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I know they spent a lot of money on Simeon and Seager, but uh, this this is a fantastic move for them. He's going to kind of frontline that rotation. Uh, and I'm I'm excited. I moved him up like 20-something spots in my ranks. Same. Uh, so he went from, I think, around, he was around 90-something. I think I got him at 72 right now. I've got double check him. Everywhere. Yeah, let's both Yeah, 72. Check I've got him at... I got him actually a little bit higher than you. I got him at 66. Oh, so see, we're close. I, I, have, I have Kyle Gibson at 66. <laughs> I have Kyle Gibson near that, but but a little bit lower. I, I my will, I my biggest that. concern from a fantasy standpoint with Gray is the jump we're about to see his in his ADP. <laughs> because yeah, uh, that's fair. Because people could, are gonna some people are gonna overrate it, right? Yeah, he could he could get like the CJ Cron jump we saw last year. Yep. Where CJ Cron was going outside the top three hundred and then when he signed to Colorado, he started going inside the top one fifty. Uh and like if we start seeing, you know, that kind of movement, um, you know, then then I'll be out because top one fifty means he's uh, you know, uh like uh, around Justin Verlander, um uh, around uh, Ranger Suarez, around Luis uh, Garcia. Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to pay uh, that kind of price for a guy who's, I mean, while he has some talent, he's largely unproven. He is in terms of like, yeah, we we, we both believe that John Gray will get better um, never having to pitch in Coors or maybe an off start here or there if they have him on, on interleague. But again, not having to have two different ways of pitching uh, depending on home or away, I think he settles in as like a high threes. I think is I think where he's really going to improve is the whip. I think yep. he has a chance to put up like a uh, something in the sevens for his hit per nine, and he's a nine point oh hits per nine career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at eight point five this year. If he cuts a, a hit off of that down to seven point five, um, and his walk rate has it was actually up a bit this year to nine percent. He's a career eight percent. Uh, he's been down as low as 7% for a full year. So we could see John Gray put up a big whip gain, even if you don't see a bunch of ERA improvements and he's more of like a 375, 380 ERA guy because he does have a home run issue. But how much of that is Coors? How much of that is the way he pitches? Mm-hmm. Um, will there still be the same home run issue in Texas? I don't think so. So shave a little bit off that, get the ERA down below four, but the whip could be in the low 120s and that would be a big gain. And this is something I wouldn't project. This would be more of like an icing on the cake. I still wonder if we haven't seen his best strikeouts either. He's been kind of living in that 24% range with the swinging strike rate to back it up. I wonder if they can tap into a little extra there and maybe he has a jump in, in strikeouts too. I, that That's what his I don't know. His second half strikeout rate was 27%. There you go. I actually didn't even know that. So we've already seen maybe a little a little potential. Part of that might have been no, the fact that he was awful. In the second half too, so I, I was going to say part of that, 
uh, might have been that he was going shorter outings because he was getting beaten up. But the Ks were still there. We got mm-hmm. a nine, an eight, eight, seven, seven, five, and five. And those were all in games of fewer than uh, five innings or fewer. So mm-hmm. that is an interesting situation there in the second half for Gray. But I'm with you. I think that's their best bang for buck move and the best fantasy impact move that they made. And then we'll briefly talk about Cole Calhoun. Cole Calhoun is boring. Like nobody was bending over, you know, doing backflips when that move happened. And he wasn't very good last year. But the two years before that, he was pretty solid fantasy wise. Like remember when he rose up for 33 Mm -hmm. homers back in 2019? Now part of that's rabbit ball. Um, but he hit 16 more last uh, in 2020 for 54 games. But then last year, battled injuries, played 51 games. It was a mess. I'm willing to throw it out a bit, but I'm not going to give him a full clean slate for that because he is going to be 34. He plays hard. Uh, what do we put on him? Like a 22 homer projection type of deal? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Where do you put the average? Because that's the key. He is at 232, 226, 235 the last three years. Are you just in that range? So you're giving him bad batting average, decent mm-hmm. pop? Okay, so yeah, that's a late so. number five, number six outfielder for your team, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, he's a pretty decent defender, at least he has been in the past. Yeah, so, yeah. Like that can keep him on the field for a few extra plate appearances, uh, you know, the, I don't know where he's going to hit in this lineup. I mean, the hard part is, God, this lineup is I mean, he could still hit fourth so the, bad. With the lineup that they have. Um, theoretically, I mean, right now, Ross Resource has him hitting sixth. Theoretically, he could hit ninth, and you could have the 1-9 Calhoun-Calhoun. That, that, hey, that'd be all right. At, at six, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's Billy McKinney's right now projected to be their left fielder. That's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, this does hurt uh, Nick Solak. I know. Uh, our boy's in a little bit of trouble now because second and mm-hmm. outfield are blocked off. But now you just mentioned McKinney, though. If if Solak can play where you and I believe he can play, like the level, mm-hmm. then he can oust McKinney in a second. Fact is, though, he hasn't. So now he's a threat to be a short side platoon, and that's a little yeah. bit – nerve-wracking for us he was better he was better when he came back uh you know from the minor league so Mm -hmm. i think there is um you know but leo de taveras is still you know kind of you know running around there but another guy i'm still bought in on uh coming up at some point this year eli white uh you know still in the organization so uh he has competition it's not like amazing competition but it's it's there is competition there for him to get playing time Yep, I think that's that's fair with regards to uh, to Nick Solak, uh, one of our one of our boys previously. I'm not I'm not quitting on him because he's he's super cheap now, but uh, you have to have the playing time mm-hmm. uh, projection lowered a bit. All right, let's get to it. Javi Bias to the Tigers. Like, I, I don't I don't understand why you're so depressed by this. I, I, like I, I know, I know. I feel like I haven't seen the money asshole. on it yet, but uh, it's six one thirty, I believe is, is the, well, that's like, I would rather have Javi Baez for six one thirty than Corey Seager for seven, three twenty five. In fairness, Seager's not who I wanted. The guy who's still out there. The the two guys that were out there are the two that I really favored Correa and then store. I still get Correa. If they do that, all bets are off. Then I will. Javi Baez at second. Korea. I mean, if, they, if they go Texas of their own and get their own double middle infield, yes, I will. I will try a backflip. I will fall and hurt myself massively, but I will try it at least. It'll be and worth I, the broken neck. 
But like, I uh, understand Javi Baez is like a better fantasy player than he is real life player. But and, like, and that's that's my problem. And I, I feel kind of shitty um, being so ho hum about it as if he's not a badass player. Like he is, right? Yeah. Javi Baez is a badass player. But but Justin, you know that that profile is not aging well. I now know. it is only six years. It's not a ten year. And I do think you're right. That's the first thing you brought up, and I agree. That was the first thing I looked at. Six one thirty. That's not the. That's not Albatross City. And maybe they were concerned about Correa maybe becoming an Albatross just because ten year deals almost have no other option but to become an Albatross at some point. Six years for Baez is going to put him. That's going to be 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Uh, and he could still be he could still be solid through. He could the also bulk opt out. Deal. Like he could have and two he could big opt years. Out and, that. Yep. Uh, like I I really like this move for Detroit. I, the uh, finances of it are what saves it. I got so high, and I knew I was setting myself up to be disappointed that they didn't get him. I got so high on the idea of Correa, uh, with with Hinch being, you know, his former manager and all that, and they were having the big uh, breakfast that turned into lunch and all that. So I don't want to just sit here and act like, oh, Javi Baez is some clown that they scooped up off off of waivers. This is an impact player, but I can't help but look at a 34% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate, and have a little bit of concern of how much burden is put on his BABIP to succeed. Um, so the bottom line, he's a very good player. He's going to add to the Tigers. He's an elite defender. That's going to help the pitching. By the way, they've done two big things to help the pitching with Tucker Barnhart and Javi Baez. So you have to, if you like the Tigers pitchers, this is another reason to put another mm-hmm. little bit of juice behind them with Baez picking up the ball at short. I do worry how the bat ages, though. That's my biggest concern because this this high strikeout, no walk profile rarely ages all that well. But as a power speed combo, should still be good for 25-15. Tigers ran a bit more last year; they could push them up to 20. Um, I, I don't hate it totally. I just I just really wanted Correa, so I'm just being a little bit of a baby. Yeah, I, I think you are being a little bit of a baby, and um. I, I think that this is uh, going to be fine. Like, I think this is going to end up being a much better deal than the Seeker deal. It may actually be a better deal than wherever Correa does end up I mean, going. he's going to get 10. He's going to get 10, 350 if, if Seeker's getting 10, 3 and a quarter, right? That's what I if, think. If not more. If not more. And, uh, I would much is... rather have this deal. I, I mean, and that, to be honest, I, I think Baez is a better player. Than I Correa? Just, yeah. You can't look at his bat and say that. I do. I have to vehemently disagree. He's also uh, Cray is even a year younger too. I I, I gotta disagree there. And, and Cray is more injury prone. That's fair. I don't disagree with your general point that six years is gonna be better than ten, or has a good chance to be better than ten, just because of the albatross that the ten can be. Those and extra hundred million dollars you save that can go to another player. Well, and I don't think they're done, by the way. Yeah, I don't either. I, I they mean, could still get another uh, decent impact arm or decent impact reliever. I don't love spending money on relief as uh, in free agency, but I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't cry if they signed Kenley Jansen or something. like that. That's the type of deal that is set up to go wrong, to pick mm-hmm. up a, a uh, one-time elite closer on the big deal when he's already 30-something. I understand that, but 
as somebody who's dealt with the, the bullpens that I've had to watch in my years as a Tigers fan, I, I, I wouldn't be that upset at, even if they've signed him to like a three-year, I don't know, what what's he going to get, 20, 20 a year? Three sixty-five. Is that they'll get twenty a year? He he made twenty last year and he was really good. Yeah, maybe. I think. Well, yeah, and with you know what, I take that back. With the way uh, relief pitchers are getting paid right now, he will definitely get three. Yeah, he'll he'll probably get three twenty or or four. Like three sixty-three. Yeah. Oh, if it's four eighty, then please no, please no. Be smart with these. You went with the cheaper or the shorter term guy at shortstop. For God's sakes, don't give chance in four years. Honestly, I, I would rather do two fifty than anything else, just because it's a shorter term situation mm-hmm. for Kenley. But anyway, they're not necessarily talking to Kenley. I just know that the Tigers are probably going to make another big move in addition to the Eduardo Rodriguez and Javi Baez ones that we've talked about. So uh, you've you've done what I expected you to do, which was make me feel better about this because I know I'm being a little bit of a baby. Um, I love I, this move. I do. I, and I, I mean, he's such a marketable. Uh, guy, I love the he's player. So fun, and I I, this is like the perfect move for for Detroit. Uh, here's, here's what I will say: my thing coming into the season was if they don't sign one of the big shortstops, even the one that I didn't really want as much, Baez, they have failed completely. Yeah. So they, they did. They did not fail completely. They signed one of the big shortstops, which they had to do. To leave this market without one of those guys would would have been fireable uh, a fireable offense in my opinion not mm-hmm. that i have the the power to fire alavila but i would have been like come on what, what are you guys even doing you're not even trying mm-hmm. so correa made a lot of sense but i think Baez is a solid move even in a year where he struck out 34 percent of the time and only had a 319 obp he was still a 3.6 win player we round that up to, we call him a four win player um and who's crying about a four win player he was 4.3 wins back in 19. So back-to-back four-win seasons, despite OBP's under 320, tells you how great the defense is. Defense ages you know, pretty much straight down in terms of the aging curve, but he's also special. So he might be somebody who's playing premium defense into his 30s just because of how good he is. So, yeah. okay, we still have a lot more to go to, so let's get going because uh, I just needed you to assu- assuage my my concerns a little bit and and wipe my tears for me because I'm a little <laughs> crybaby. Uh, let's move out to Toronto. They lost Big Dog in, uh, in, in their ace and their premium hitter in the middle in Semyon, but they replaced the ace for sure. Instead of Robbie Ray, who we'll get to right after this, they went with Kevin Gosman. And uh, now I get to wipe your tears a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that you were a bit upset that your boys didn't re-sign Gosman, who they made. Um, you know, he really broke out. We've been talking about Gosman now for about a d- decade, almost, right? It was, mm-hmm. If you count, if you count his uh, prospect hype, so he's been in the. I, league I don't know if 13. you remember this, but our first ever podcast together when I you remember. came on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, I think it was like episode nine. We got in an argument over who loved Kevin Gosman more. Correct. And uh, what was our other big argument? I know you know this, but what was our other? We had two uh, major Harper, points. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, Gosman was. Who I was loves right him on more. both of those, by the way. And Harp- Wait, wait, wait. How were you right on Harper? I said there was no way he could repeat his 2015 season. You were anti Harper, though. Yes, exactly. I was. Oh. I was anti him going second overall or first overall. And and I don't think that you were as justified in that as you think you are. Now, saying that you couldn't repeat 2015 is kind of a no-duh. It was one of the most transcendent seasons there was. He still went 2020 that year. He only had 243. Um, he was not a first-round pick. He's a god. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, probably not because of the average, yeah. but in OBP leagues, I, w- I bet he still was even in 147 games. I was three, right. Three, I, I don't think you were because your anti-Harper sentiment, it's, it hasn't really it hasn't really aged that well. Well, I, I wasn't anti-Harper. I was anti him going first or second overall. Pull the tape. I, I not even It was my first ever article on Fangraphs. We have it. Pull. Okay, pull the tape because I think you're I think you're soft pedaling it a little bit more. Like Absolutely I was simply not. I was simply against him for the 2016 season and nothing more, nothing less. And your your voice didn't get that pitched. How dare you? That's what you're saying, and I disagree. But we did fight over our love for Gosman. Do you know my other um, like public Gosman thing? Uh, you, you probably don't, but I, I'll tell you. I had a big debate with Chris Liss on Sirius about Kevin Gosman, wherein we were debating Kevin Gosman and Julio Tehran. And unfortunately, I was on the Tehran side uh, based on their trajectories. The problem was the whole time I was like, I love Kevin Gosman, too. My point was they were the same pitcher. That was the argument that we were having. And he was like, no, Gosman's better and everything. It took like eight years for him to be right. But I guess at this point, he's correct. Anyway, Gosman, Toronto, coming off the ace year. He goes from AL to NL. I don't, or from NL to AL. I don't think that's going to matter as much because we believe the DH is coming. But the park switch is massive. Mm-hmm. Justin, what do we get out of Gosman as a Blue Jay next year? He's been in that division before, so he's not going to be, you know, scared by it. But his numbers weren't great with Baltimore. So what are we getting here at thirty-one? I mean, like you've already kind of mentioned, he's he's a completely different pitcher now. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that we're gonna see him like turn back into a pumpkin or anything. Uh, that being said, like I don't think we're gonna get twenty twenty one either. Um, I, I think what we're gonna get is probably you know a, a, like a prorated season of like twenty twenty, which is okay. fine. It's it's really really good. Um, you know, I think you know we're gonna see more homers. Uh, we're going to see a little bit higher ERA. Uh, you know, I think he's still going to be, a, you know, a whip asset uh, and still get you plenty of strikeouts uh, and be on a really good team that's, I think, going to be the best team in the American League. Um, and so I like Gosman. I, I I dropped him at wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. What? Did you just say the Jays are going to be best team in the American League? I do. That's a take right there. Let's let's. Is it? Is it a take? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that on a negative or that I disagree. I'm saying like that's you're putting it out there. That's okay. I, that's I, a statement. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay. I don't. I didn't think it was much of a statement. I, I think I, it is. I okay. think you start peddling that around. That's 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 a call. That's a call right there. They were fourth in their division, man. So you're putting them to the top. That was of an insane run of that. Oh, of course. <laughs> and and uh, again, I'm not even pushing back on you. I I think it's a viable take to get behind. But I do believe it is something to at least underline here and say, hey, this is uh, this is something. I mm-hmm. like it. Okay. Do you think they're done? No, I don't think they're done. Um, where, where do they go to next? Do Bullpen. They... Okay. Yeah. but they... like, I think they could be in the Craig Kimbrell sweepstakes yes. whenever okay. that happens. Uh, or I think they could go after a guy like Rossiel Iglesias or even Kenley. Yep. Uh, so I think Kimbrell seems like the most logical uh, in terms of, you know, the, they won't have to make a, a really long-term commitment. Uh, they've got some assets that are blocked that they can trade. Uh, and I think there are some people, who, some players who don't want to play in Canada. They don't want to live in no, Canada. It's absolutely and true. So, and that's uh, fair. Yeah, totally fair. 
uh, as much as we love our Canadian friends. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to undertake to, yeah. to move to a different country and, and you yeah. know deal with all that. So I understand if you're not going to take your family with you, like exactly. that's, you know, uh, and, and we know you know having friends who are Canadians uh, or people who have you know spouses in Canada, like. The last year was hard for people who yes. like wanted to travel back and forth. Uh, you know, Ryu has talked about like how much it sucked not being able to see his family for you know the whole year. Exactly, um, and then with the Omicron, you know, not mm-hmm. to not, we're not going to do a whole like COVID review here, but another variant spiking up. If that creates more issues of of getting in and out, that could hurt them in the uh, in the free agent market. But Gossman goes ahead and inks there. I agree with you that the bullpen's going to be their focus. Uh, do you see them making an effort to replace Simeon on a big level, or do you think that the offense that they have, they I might think the add, offense like... they have is fine. Plus, like yeah. I said, they've got they've got pieces in that minor league uh, that will come up at some point. Maybe not necessarily this year, but or Orvelis Martinez, mm-hmm. um, you know, promotions could yeah. You you got a pop. number of guys who uh, are. are pretty uh pretty interesting that are gonna be coming and we'll up see the if, minors we'll see if biggio gets back on track you know he had a dud yeah. year no, no two ways around it it was a very bad year for him uh but he can still get on base at a strong clip even in an ugly season he had a 322 obp um he wasn't very healthy he only played half the year but if he can find some health he could be a viable replacement mm-hmm. like their lineup still runs deep even without Simeon. so i think pitching is where they continue to focus i Did think you they, move- they may replace him like with like a lower end guy. That's exactly. I, I was gonna say like an Eduardo Escobar type. Obviously, es- Escobar yeah. is gone, but I think that's the kind of player that. What I mean, what I should have just said straight away is they're not gonna go get Trevor Story or Carlos Correa in your estimation. No, right? no, no. That's what I'm uh, saying. Yeah. I, I would be surprised um, if that was the case. My guess is maybe it's someone like Chris Taylor. That I could see because they can also move him around too, mm-hmm. and that way they're not. You know, they they can say, well, you know, are you our third baseman now? If Biggio does come back to to life, and Santiago Espinal can bounce around, they and can they've already signed a qualifying offer guy. So like the the penalties for signing multiple, you know, lessen that you know as you add each guy. So like exactly, they've already kind of broken that dam. So why not go out and get you know like one of the more flexible? I mean, there has been some talk about Freddie Freeman. I don't know how. Uh, I mean, I guess you, you could try putting Vlad back. Or do you at... put Freeman there? Remember when he played third? How <laughs> 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 sick would that be if they take a 32-year-old Freeman and they're like, he's a third baseman now permanently. <laughs> That'd be wild. Uh, For $200 way, million, dollars, you go where we tell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we cut this check. You're playing where we say. Um, not to go back to my Tigers, but you mentioned the qualifying offer thing. That's another added bonus here there's nothing attached to bias because he was traded mm-hmm. yeah so that's just another little checkbox in favor of this deal so that's a good call out uh, but it works on the other end like, like you're saying once you sign one that the the subsequent ones become a lot easier to undertake because you've already given away the first rounder yeah so um, yeah good call there uh did you move gosman off of this news I did. I moved him one spot, so not very far. Him down. Okay. Uh, I moved. I moved him behind Jack Flaherty. I actually moved him behind the next guy. We're going to talk about the guy he's essentially replacing, Robbie Ray. Okay. I have Robbie Ray higher than that. So. Um. So let's talk about that. Robbie Ray goes to Seattle, and, you know, we saw this before when they got Eric Bedard. No, I'm just kidding. I. I 
<laughs> it was it was so rude. And you know what? Someone nailed it on Twitter. They when when the Tigers signed Baez, I said, "This is karma for you making the Eric Bedard comment," because um, it was it was definitely just a flippant comment to kind of tweak a little bit. Even though I have nothing against the Mariners, and I qu- I quite like uh, I, I enjoyed watching them this summer a lot, and I like this move for them. But I just I just you know t- tweaking a little bit. But then I looked it up. The comparison is is. It's way too good to be honest. He, Robbie Ray has a lot of Eric Bedard tendency, except he's a healthier. He's a much healthier guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming off another career, some of so many of these free agents are coming off of like career career years, like not just their best season, but like far and away better than anything they've ever done. Robbie Ray may be chief among them because he won the freaking Cy Young, and it was deserved. He turned it around. We started to see it kind of early in the year. But he was still having a home run issue, and that's what had me a little bit cautious about him. Like, yeah, I, I like what he's doing here. He's not walking, guys, but is he just laying it in the zone and giving up a bunch of homers? And that, that's kind of what he was doing. But then he started to cut the homers, too, uh, outside of a four-run homer ga- or a four-homer game to end his season. But, but prior to that, it was 0-1-1-2-0-1-0-0-1-0-0. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but you get it. It was a lot better. It was getting better for Robbie Ray with the home runs until he gave up four in his final outing of the year. He's good. He's going to an easier division uh, in terms of parks. Maybe not necessarily that much better in terms of quality. If, if Well, it depends how much Texas improves. It's still better. It's still better because Oakland's going to mm-hmm. go the other way. It's, it's still much, much better. Uh, and it's a better park. But he is coming off a career year. Where does Ray go from, from here off of this transcendent season does he hold some of these gains or does he slide all the way back to the no control high strikeout volatile guy that that we saw prior to this year for Robbie Ray I I mean I don't think he like completely regresses I mean I've got him as my number 15 stunning pitcher so I obviously believe oh wait so where do you have Gosman then 19 now okay I actually have Gosman at 19 but then Ray at 18 so we're not that far off yeah, I, I mean, I think we saw a legitimate change in Robbie Ray, uh, especially with the way he attacked the zone. Uh, like you said, like there there were still the home run issues, but he started to squash them uh, a little bit before that, uh, that blow up at New York at the end of the season. It just, it just it totally ruined it because yeah. prior to that, if you look at at his his final uh, fifteen starts leading into that one, he was down to a point eight six homer nine. You love that. That that's mm-hmm. palatable. Anything under one, you're taking that all day with the way he was pitching. That game alone moved it up to one point two, and you're like, come on. Uh, but it's you know one game can do that. A, a big multi homer game. I think that's better than spreading it out over you know and showing a consistent home run problem if it's like two here two here two here no it's a bunch of good games and then a four bomb against the yankees of all teams i'm not as concerned in seattle he he only had three multi-homer games in the second half and that was huge and he was uh he had a multi-homer game in every game but one of may yeah so that tells you where he was coming from there with robbie ray so let's put let's put some numbers on it at least some loose numbers Last year, he was a 284 ERA, a 105 whip. Both of those led the American League. I know we both think he's going to be a little bit worse uh, worse than that. How much worse? Steamer says 367, 116. Where where do you come out on that? Are you close to Steamer? You higher? You lower? Where are you at? I, I think his ERA is lower than that. 
I think under under three sixty seven. Yeah, I, okay. I think he's like a three 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 four guy, okay. um, with a boatload of strikeouts. Yes, uh, Steamer does not give him enough credit for his walk rate dropping. Um, and I I don't think that's um, unfair of them. They're they're looking yeah. at the history. And, yeah, yeah, and... of course they have to. They they have to yes. look at a eighteen percent walk rate in twenty twenty, <laughs> an eleven percent walk rate in twenty nineteen, and go well. There's no way this six point seven walk rate in twenty twenty one is holding. Uh, yeah. I think, I think he can. I think he can manage like a seven, even even like a seven and a half like percent walk rate. Uh, and if he does that, he's gonna continue to. Uh, just be amazing. Uh, and Seattle's I, a fantastic place for him to go. Get away from those AL East parks mm-hmm. uh, and go to a place like Seattle uh, and get to pitch in places like Texas and Oakland um, and Anaheim. Uh, yeah, th- this is uh, a fantastic landing spot for him. Maybe one of the best possible landing spots uh, for him in terms of just park location. So, Agreed. I love I Robbie Ray. Um, I don't know that I'm going to end up with him a lot, to be honest, just because if I don't get one of like my top five or six, I've been waiting. Okay. Um, uh, let's take a look at where he's going. Now, this is the all of the draft champions thus far, which is 15 drafts. He's been going around pick 42 with a range of 29 to 55. If we go in the last, uh, what, four days, I guess, because when did he sign? On Friday? I can't remember. All the days yeah, blend together like on a holiday. But since the, the 26th, uh, he signed on the 29th. Okay, I think there's only really been one draft, so it's not going to do much for us. And, 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 that, and it'll have been a slow draft, so we won't have seen. Yeah, so we haven't uh, seen the effect. I'm not even going to give the numbers here because we, we won't have seen the effect of, of, of him being a Mariner yet. He'll likely go up, though. So to your point, if you aren't looking to pay the uh, – pay the price of the 16th starter off the board, a.k.a. pick 42, then you're not getting him because I think he's going to move closer to Lucas Giolito at pick 35. Yeah, I mean, he went in the second round of the draft I'm in right now. So that's that's some early love. like, And it's, you know, if you believe in him, I can get that because the mm-hmm. park is going to be a lot better. He is a strikeout god. He does give you, he does give you something of a decent floor with the strikeouts. Now, if if the ratios go back, you could be in some trouble there. But there's a lot to like. And if he brings his tight pants, then he's guaranteed to be successful. So that's Robbie Ray in Seattle. They also got another player. They got Adam Frazier via trade uh, to put at their second base. He can also kind of be a utility bouncing around. I think this, even though Seattle isn't a great hitters park and San Diego's probably a little bit better, he's coming from Pittsburgh where, you know, I think the Pittsburgh to Seattle is kind of neutral. He hit 305 last year in 155 games. Do you see any of that happening again for Frazier? Or do you think that was a stone cold fluke season? Mm, I mean, 305, yeah, I think that, that, that portion of it. I think he can be... He was down to 267 with San Diego in the 57 games he played with them. It was 325 or 324 with Pittsburgh, thanks to a 359 BABIP. It smoothed out to 299 on the BABIP. The average came down. I he's think a he's career a career 280 guy. Like I think that is attainable. Okay, I think so. I think that's attainable. I would project him for like 265, 270 with yeah. 280 in sights, but there's no power. Uh, I don't believe in the quote-unquote speed. He was 10 for 15. Mm-hmm. Seattle might 
push it a little bit. Does Seattle run? What's that? What's their? They have in the past. I'll double check right now. Yeah, I'm gonna look. Who's their manager right now? It is. Hang on, don't tell me. I can't think of it. Who's their manager? Scott Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me look up Scott Service as a, as a base stealer. They did not run very much this last year. They they were okay. 18th in in Major League Baseball with 64 stolen bases. For context, uh, Kansas City had almost double that. Oh wow! Now. Okay, so I'm looking at – they do a managerial tendencies thing on baseball reference where it tells you, like, their rate at which they run. Um, and it was way down this year. So maybe it was a lack of steel, you know, base stealers on their team, similar to what we talked about with Oakland before they got Marte. Everyone's like, well, he's not going to run. And that's kind of fair because, I mean, their guy – their main stolen base guy, like, coming into 2021 was Dylan Moore, and he performed like And he shit. ran. Yeah. But 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 he got he got twenty six attempts. Yeah. Despite playing like trash, might he have gotten more. Seventy six OBP. So yeah. I think they they might let Frazier run a bit. My my thing is though, a bit is like twelve to fifteen attempts again. Yeah, but and he's, he's not also going like super late, I believe. Which he should because yeah. he's not that good. He's not. Okay? But... I'm just gonna say it. But if he's dirt cheap and there's a little bit of batting average, you know how he's I like going, my late He's going uh, 324 right now. But but I, I take the guy right after him, right? Luis yeah, Arise. I would too. <laughs> it's, it's just <laughs> a better a version. I'd, I'd also take Andrew McCutcheon going after him. Yep. Uh, David I would Fletcher's probably a better version of him. Uh, I think Young Kim's a better version of him, and he's going yeah. way later. Brandon I'm still Marsh. I'm still in on Kim. So so yeah, we don't. I wanted to bring it up just because it is a it is a sizable move and it's fine for a real life standpoint. But from a fantasy standpoint, Adam Frazier is a plug in type guy. One thing I do like about him, he will have second outfield, right? Did he, did, uh, did I don't do believe so. Actually, out? oh he didn't. Okay, never mind. Never mind. That is incorrect. Unless, I think he's second short. I think he's just second at NFBC. He is. He is just second. Yeah, he only had five games in the outfield. Right. So, so some of you leagues, uh, some of your leagues might have a five-game eligible. Oh wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Twelve games if you count Pittsburgh and said, yeah, his full season was twelve so you, games. You Yahoo guys. So some uh, leagues will have an outfield eligible mm-hmm. Frazier, and that helps. But that's about it with him. Let's move on to our next one. Uh, this is just a re-signing. Byron Buxton will not be traded. He re-signs with Minnesota. Um, does this change your outlook one way or the other? What, did, did you have him in any sort of holding pattern to see where he goes? Or were you just drafting him where you were going to draft him regardless? And I'm not going to be drafting him. I mean, like, you weren't you weren't drafting him. Okay. You, you, do you know what his ADP is? Uh, probably super high. Sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> aren't you aren't, aren't you a Mondesi drafter? Uh, depending on the price, I can I can be talked into it. No, he's usually more expensive than Buxton. Why wouldn't you? Why couldn't you be convinced on Buxton? I, I have no faith boxing against the Alfie. I have little faith. <laughs> you have little faith that Mondesi can, but no and, faith. And Mondesi, like, Buxton's not running the way he was. Like, Buxton's True. no longer a threat to steal 20 or 30. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. That is not correct. That is not correct. He stole he, 15. He has not. I I, I, I see what you're... He has not stolen... That base, those base levels in 87, 39, and 61 games. But 
he is still 25 for 30 in those games. That's 684 plate appearances from 19 to 21. That's basically a full season of him leading off. If he were somehow able to find that sort of help, yeah, I understand. I just don't trust that he's going to ever find that. I mean, but he is still a threat. He hasn't that. played in a hundred games since 2017. I know. Like we're I not know. talking about, Oh, he hasn't played in one thirty or what? No, a hundred. I mean, 90 really. Yeah, 90. 87 is the max in the last four seasons. 140. Starling Marte played in as many games in 2020 as Buxton did in 2021. Starling Marte is Cal Ripken by comparison. Yes. I, I, I grant you it just, all of that. I just don't. I'm not going to invest that kind of pick in a guy that I, I really do not believe is going to stay on the field. Okay. I, I just I do think there's a little disconnect there that you would take Mondesi, though. I'm what? probably not going to end up with Mondesi this year. Okay. okay. If, if, if Mondesi's there in the fourth round, I will make a decision. Okay. But I'm not. I'm not going he... into a draft thinking about Mondesi as a as like part of the plan. Um, it's I'm in a room with a bunch of people who do not want to touch Mondesi, and he falls to me somewhere in the fourth round. You would be the, the guy to go ahead and say fine. Yeah, I I, I might be willing to go. Well, fuck it. Here we go. Shooting for the moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. That, that that's fair. That's fair. I'm just not. I thought do you were more boxing. in on Mondesi. No. And I was gonna say you can't be banging the drum for him in no, vain. No. I, I think you're thinking of the siege. Well, I know the siege. Actually, he doesn't go by the siege anymore. He goes by the the Desi in honor of Mondesi. So you have to <laughs> his actual name. <laughs> oh, I hope CJ listens to this. <laughs> Uh, he loves, it. but I'm a big Mondesi guy too. So I'm not throwing stones from a glass house here. I will take either of them, um, but not, not both of them. But not both of them. No shot. I would take one with a risk profile that I know I would have to build around, and I would do the opposite of what most people do when they take Mondesi or Bucks and they stop drafting speed. I would supplement them, which I know some people would say. Well, then you're taking away the value because the point is to get their speed and then not have to draft as much speed. You draft how you want. I draft how I want. I would still supplement them with some speed just in case. But then if they spike their big season, then I'm finishing like top five in the overall in speed. And, and you know, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can improve on my, on my standing from this past year in, in the overall or something like that. But mm -hmm. anyway, Buxton resigned. So he's not going to be traded. We're still hoping he can spike that, that healthy year. I understand anybody who is an, a full out, no Buxton, no Mondesi guy because they don't want to deal with the risk. Because you have to draft how you're comfortable. We've, we've yeah. been hitting this point for the last several years now. But these are the kind of players that you have to have a plan to take them and you have to commit to that plan. And if you just say, I don't want to do that, I respect that. I will craft plans around those two and be open to taking one of them. But that's not the same for everybody. Let's move over to Tampa Bay because they've been making some news. Starting with the Wander extension, which we're not going to get too into because he wasn't going anywhere anyway. I just applaud the Rays for going out locking up their big dog here and we know that he's a transcendent talent they see it too this is not going to be a standard yeah this is uh, a win-win deal like i know there are exactly. people who are shitting on wander for taking they're the dumbest it. people in the world yeah. i'm sorry yeah. it, like if you're finding any reason to be like well, i don't know about taking 140 uh, 85 million before you can uh, have a legal drink i don't know about that that's yeah. Um, that seems a little... I think people forget, like, in their first three years, rookies make league Peanuts, minimum. Peanuts, dude. They, he would have made, uh, he would have made $1.5 million over the next three years. 
uh, and then had to wait as arbitration escalated before he would have saw any real money. Yeah. So you have to like put that into the equation. Like, yes, did he sell himself a little bit short by taking? Absolutely. Maybe. But Jonathan, ask Jonathan Singleton like how that worked out for him because yeah. I'm sure he is super glad that he took the money when he did. Evan White is yeah. tracking a little early toward a, a Singleton situation. I mean, look at the money that Albie's got. We that that's obviously an outlier on the. That's on really the, bad. Know, that, that one's criminal. Yeah. But like. You, but this is $180 million is not criminal. Ever. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that there were people trying to critique Wander on that. I thought yeah. that was a perfect win-win deal. I like it. Um, but I, the reason I still brought it up uh, wasn't because it changes anything fantasy-wise, but more to get your read on him because we started to talk about him a little bit on Twitter. And, like, are you open to taking him at his price? Because there's a big no. price tag on him. What is that? Did you say no? no? No, okay. I don't think I will get him in any leagues, um, because and like I do think like there is some power in that bat that we haven't necessarily really seen. But I think uh, it's twenty three and beyond. Yeah, I, th- I I think it might take a little bit to develop, but ultimately, like he is a very very young DJ Lemayhu, and I can get DJ Lemayhu at like pick one twenty. Mm-hmm. And I'd no, rather... I think that's fair. He he doesn't really run a ton either if you look at his minor league numbers now if they turn like i mean and that's what i was gonna say if they turn him loose that would be uncharacteristic they let uh rosarena get to 20 i think franco i think that's kind of his max though and people are are thinking that he's a speed component i don't really see it so you're really banking the 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 way he can earn adp right now which by the way we should give that number if we're talking about it, it he's in the third or fourth round i believe here let me pull it up wander franco is pick 49 right now 40 49 so top 50 player and the way that pays out is batting average and runs if he hits triple digits with runs and hits over 300 you can get your money back but the projection from steamer right now is 19 homers 10 steals that doesn't really get me going a ton at pick 50 Mm mm-hmm so I need the batting average to come through. I need the runs to come through. Because how many ribbies is he going to get leading off? Like, they got him for 84. I mean, he might. Like, they're not a bad team by any stretch. But lead off is tough to generate a ton of ribbies from. So I love Franco. But I think this is the year that he I'm... disappoints a little bit against his ADP. And then next year is the transcendent type Here's year. the thing. When you're taking a guy at the back end of the third round right because that's where he's going mm-hmm. you know, back back in the third round you know early fourth you you're wanting one of two things and sometimes both you want a guy that you feel extremely safe with or that is going to potentially help you win your league correct and i don't know that franco does either not really because i don't even know that the safety is everything yeah. he did was great but it was 70 games how many times do we need to see that these small samples can be blown up before we like, and I know he's the number one overall prospect, one of the best prospects ever. I'm not betting on him to flop, but it is at least in the cards at 21. And I do have some concern about paying the full freight for Franco right away. I think yep. he's a, a little bit overdrafted right now. I, I'm No, I'm not even going to soft pedal. He's overdrafted right now. I think you should be careful. There's a chance to win on the pick, but as it stands right now, the expectation from it, if you just get the steamer projection, that's not worth pick 50. 
I I have him as my eleventh shortstop. I have him behind around that. That's just so crazy how shortstop is. Because I agree with you, by the way. I have him. I have him a little bit higher than that. I have him at ten. So yeah, I've been buying Baez, Polanco, Lindor, Simeon. You know all those guys. Yeah, I have him behind most of those guys. I have actually. You know what? I might end up with him at 11, too. I got to decide on Polanco. I'm going to do some more research there. But I'm very Polanco close. Polanco is like the steal at shortstop right now. I love Polanco. He's going uh, he's like breaking. 93rd right now. This is the breaking news, by the way. Uh, the Rays traded Joey Wendell. By the way, they're trying to move Wendell and Kiermaier um, because they did just pay Franco. They can't be paying anybody else. So <laughs> those two make something uh, of a few bucks here. So Joey Wendell to Miami for Cameron Meisner, a guy we talked about coming mm-hmm. out of the AFL that I was really impressed with after learning more about him and seeing him crush a homer. I actually saw him crush another homer the second time I went to AFL. I like this move, and I wonder, because the, the comp that we had heard from the scouts was uh, kind of a lesser fanfare J.J. Bleday. This was also on the heels of J.J. Bleday getting a pretty negative outlook. Then he goes out and wins co-hitter of the AFL. So I wonder if they were encouraged enough by what he did, what Bleday did to say, you know what, we're back on him as a stud. We can move Meisner here for an infielder. This is an interesting win-win deal. I think the two Florida teams – uh, I think that's what they like to do is just make solid win-win deals. I like this move here. Wendell for Meisner. What would you think of it uh, when you saw me typing it in there? Uh, interesting. Where does Wendell play? Is he, Everywhere. Is he, yeah, he's going to be the kind of super utility. I, I, I think so. I think so, right? Because um, I would think you would give him – at least everyday plate appearances. Maybe, maybe he does play at least, everywhere. At least but... strong side. Yeah. He, I think he could play third and put Brian Anderson back in the outfield too. I think he could too. And then Jesus Sanchez mm-hmm. is more of their primary DH. Which again, yeah. we, we and again, until we get news, we're going to operate the way we did last year. And we were wrong last year. But we're going to operate as though the DH is coming back to mm-hmm. the NL because I think it's the – I think it's where they're tracking. If that changes, then we we blow up those plans yeah. and we discuss those players in a different light. But as it stands right now, they signed uh, Avisal Garcia. Let me bring that into the mix here too since we're talking Miami. So they did get another quality hitter here. So nobody's losing their mind at Avi Garcia and Joey Wendell, but these are two solid moves. They need to fortify this offense. They also got Jacob Songs. That's more of a defensive move for them because he doesn't hit too much. But they're starting to make some moves here to go with their amazing pitching. I still think there's another Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm type deal for them mm-hmm. to where they trade one of these pitchers for a big hitter. I don't know at which position now. Remember, we talked a little bit about maybe a Buxton deal for them. That's obviously off the table now. What about Brian Reynolds? That would that would be really nice. And I and I think that would cost, you know, they maybe like a Trevor Rogers. Who mm-hmm. might be the 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 third of of their group? Uh, they they got some good news on um, Sixto Sanchez being mm-hmm. healthy too. So we'll see where they're at. But uh, Wendell should be a super util. Avi Garcia coming off the great year with Milwaukee goes over there as well. That's another reason why Meisner was probably expendable. Again, Meisner was regarded as a lesser fanfare Bleday in terms of uh, having the power, a bit of speed, but some swing and miss issues that that 
could hamper his average at the big league level. And we even saw that in the fall league. He only hit 205, but he clubbed seven homers uh, and took 20 walks. So he had a 373 OBP and 513 slug, but hit 205. So interesting season or interesting uh, 102 plate appearances for Meisner at the fall league. He'll go into Tampa Bay and be part of their rotation, probably have some platooning going on. Um, It's a win-win move, though. Let's talk Avi in Miami, though. He goes to a lesser park for sure, but I think he's got enough pop to still hit 20-something there. I saw Garcia as somebody who could reach 30 uh, if he stayed in a neutral or hitter-friendly park. In Miami, I think he's more of a a 22-25 to type home run guy. What do you think about Avi Garcia coming off a career year going to Miami now? Yeah, kind of a strange move here. I mean, I don't hate it or anything, but just not the guy I thought would get a four-year deal. Uh, And I know he's coming off of a big season, but... Like he's just he's not been a full time player really at any point in his career, whether it's due He was to... good in nineteen too. I, I think that's less I, I think recently in Milwaukee that's a little less due to this any idea that like he can't handle that he can't handle it, and more due to the fact that uh they had other outfielders that they could put in that were yeah. better defensively but... and some health. Yeah, right. yeah, I, I, guess, and I think I think you're, offense. I think you're exactly right. It just it's a weird kind of guy to fit in here. I agree. Um, you know, especially with a team that's young and up and coming and has outfielders uh, in the minor leagues and in the majors. Uh, I mean, where's Lewis Brinson gonna play? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In freaking uh, where, where's I don't even know where the triple Jacksonville wherever the hell their triple is that's where he's gonna play where he should play How my goodness uh, but I, I love Avi I was really big on him coming into this year shouts to Derek Cardi and the Bat X put me on on Garcia early and then when they signed Bradley the projection had to come down I totally get why Derek had to do that there was another mm-hmm. mouth to feed and they were gonna give him playing time which they did even though he was terrible. Um, but I stuck with the 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 Avi love and continued to draft him everywhere and was handsomely rewarded because he was not expensive and he went out and put up a 29 homer, 86 ribby, eight steal season with a quality 262 average, uh, 68 runs scored. Very happy with the returns I got on Avi. I think he can be most uh, mostly that player again with Miami. We talk about the lesser yeah. park and all that, but I think he's going to be perfectly solid for them. Yeah, I think so too. Like I, I don't dislike it. Uh, I mean, the only issue is, like, there's no discount on him this year That's that true. we saw last year. Like, last year we saw him going, like, outside of the top 250. Uh, this year he's already going inside of the top 200. That'll go up, you know, after the signing. Uh, so, like, if he's, like, going around the same spot as Hunter Renfro and Joey Gallo, who are both going around 180, like, uh, and it's like he, it's not a slam dunk to take him. No, you know? I, th- I think it becomes team dependent, team needs yeah, dependent and stuff. I agree. But like, there's a lot of really interesting guys uh, in the outfield in that spot: Robbie Grossman, Alex Kirilov, Hap Conforto. Yeah, so it's like I, I don't know that I am going to be I getting very fair. many if uh, yeah. opportunities draft him. I, I think that's completely fair with Avisal Garcia, and that's we always talk about how price 
changes everything on a player. You can love a guy, but then mm-hmm. his price goes too high and you're completely out. It's like, well, you loved him. I was like, yeah, I loved him at the price. Yeah. Um, I'm not out on Avi at this price, but I'm not getting him on every team, quote unquote, the way I was targeting to do last year. So I hear yeah. you there. Uh, sticking with Florida, because we're doing a little Tampa Bay and Miami here. Tampa Bay signs Corey Kluber, one of the most Tampa Bay moves you could possibly think of. Uh, I'm not surprised by this at all. He'll probably only pitch like 112 innings, but they'll, I imagine they're going to be good just because it's Tampa Bay. I mean, that's, that's yeah, I want nothing to do with this. That's just where I come out on that. Um, you can be 36, by the way. All of a sudden, he's 36. Yeah. Yeah. His 80 innings of work with decent skills, the swing and miss was still there. You say you want nothing to do with it. I'm going to guess that that's due to the health. Yeah. But he's, Oh, by the way, I wanted to, I wanted to circle back to the thing, and this will apply to Kluber, too, because he was just signed. You said um, Avi's price, and then you said he's going to go up. Just for those that don't know, whenever somebody gets signed, they're going to go up a little bit. The certainty yeah. of having a home. It's very rare that guys yeah, go down. If they go to a much worse situation, it can hurt. But even guys that go to a worse situation like Avi, just the certainty of having a team will up like 10 to 12 picks. And we, we, yeah. we dropped early in spite exactly. of fact, like it was like the worst possible landing spot. Because he's going to bat two mm-hmm. and, you know, excited about him, that sort of stuff. So Kluber will move up from this price, but he's 435 right now. Are you sure you're out at, at free? I mean, like he's one of those guys like, you know, in a fab league, like I'm, I'm fine. Like maybe he's spending my last round pick on or something like that and taking a shot. Uh, but injury history as of late makes him hard to roster in a DC where you can't replace him when he gets hurt. And you're worried that he's an Uber zero, like instantly, like if he gets hurt. And I think a lot of times in like drafts and holds, people want to be like, Oh, I can take the gamble here on this guy that may not pitch. But then they get to the end of the season. They're like, Oh, I can't field a lineup. Exactly. If you take too many of Mm -hmm. those and it is, I will admit, you know, the audience is probably thinking it rich for you to, you know, I've learned my lessons. People on drafting injured guys. No, I know I'm messing with you. And to your point, though, that was a fab league that you did it in the in the main event Mm -hmm. and in the draft and hold. You're stuck with them, and and you start to pile those guys up, and you take three prospects and three injury risks. And like you said, you're in fucking July, and you can't feel the roster of healthy guys. And you want if you want to win those leagues, those draft and hold leagues, uh, whether it's on NFBC or Fantrax, wherever you're playing. If volume is what volume, wins. Volume, baby. Yep, that's you how you're going to do it. So. Uh, okay, well, Kluber, I'm not out at this price. I will say that. But I'm with you about being careful about how much of his stock you you accumulate because he is certainly a risk to pitch five innings and be done. And I mean literally done. Like his next injury, if it's big enough, he could retire. Like mm-hmm. he's, he'd be 36. What do you think he does if I give you 130 innings? 130 innings, uh, low fours ERA, strikeout per inning, um, and like a 125, 130-ish whip. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think and that you're not too far off the projection from Steamer. They gave him 148 innings, which would be awesome. Um, he's Ooh, thrown yeah, I would 80. not do that. Yeah, he's thrown 81, not 81, one inning in 2020, uh, 35 and two-thirds, and then 215 back in – 2018 so yeah we if, if seen... we get 130 innings i would be pretty surprised and pretty stoked yeah, for that would still be a boon for him you're you're, yeah. you're exactly right i'll have i'll have mine at least like one squad just just for the lottery ticket of it yeah uh, i can't i can't imagine he ends up on any of my teams this year 
that that's not that's not uh, unfair to say. I, I don't think that's an untenable position. And I know some people that subscribe to the nobody over thirty five, just regardless of who they are, even if they're a unicorn like Scherzer or if they're injury prone like Kluber. So I understand that. I, I have him at one thirty three. I have him at twelve. No, I'm just kidding. Where do I have him? <laughs> Corey Kluber is at he's at ninety six for me. Yeah. I might have to move him down a little bit. Just with some of the guys. Oh, you might move him down from there? Yeah. Man, I'm looking at the other guys. Out on clubs. Yeah. Well, maybe not. You I'm looking at the other guys around. My I have one thirty one thirty three, yeah. Oh, my one thirty three is Chris Paddock. Wow, you're out on Chris Paddock. Well, why would I be in? It's not 35. What? He's not 35. I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I have actually, it, he kind of stayed at the top of my board in the best ball that I did. And I kept looking and I kept looking. He was really bad last year. I don't want to go off of just last year. I have actually considered moving him up. But to your point about the pitching depth, it's even deep in some of these uh, you know, 120 to 140 mm-hmm. rankings where you're just like, damn, that's just talent upon like that. You can see cases of how those guys can be, be so, even your Kluber at 133. Like you even mapped out a path to where he could be useful for 130 innings, but you still have him down at 133 because of yeah, all the risk. Pitching is deep. I did not take a starter in this draft I'm doing a 15 team league uh, on NFBC. I did not take a starter until the sixth round. I like that crew you're putting together, by the way, yeah. that you showed, you showed me that. Um, all right. Another pitcher here. This one you should have ranked quite a bit higher. I would imagine Steven Matz. I mentioned this at the outset. He, he, he set everything in motion for this off season somehow because he pissed off Steve go or his, his, uh, representation apparently did based on the, uh, the, the, the subtweets that we were getting there. Uh, cause he signed him with St. Louis. This is such a St. Louis move, by the way, to sign Steven Matz. And with their 412 gold glovers, I feel like this could be a decent move. Yeah. Uh, we talked about John Gray like there wasn't a better place for him to go. Like, I think Steven Matz is one of the guys who could not have picked a better spot mm-hmm. uh, for himself. And, uh, yeah, I I was a bit too low on Matt's kind of when I, my initial ranks came out. I think you were the one who kind of pushed at me, mm. uh, to push him up. And, uh, even after the signing, I pushed him up some more. Uh, I think I'm going to need to push him up even more. Uh, oh, you got I'm it right at now. 62 right now. Ooh, we're damn near equal. So um, I, I'm not going to push you to push him up too much more because I'm, I'm right there with you. His ADP is going to jump. But I don't know that he's a guy that jumps like a like a ton. Like I don't think he's going to jump a hundred spots or anything. Uh, his ADP, uh, let's see, it was three twenty. At least that's what I have on my rank. Three hundred now. Three hundred now. So it's already gone up a little bit. But like I still don't see it jumping up like you know to like two twenty or anything like that. And I think that's where you can take him. Yeah, his um, his min was two oh six. I don't think he I don't think Matt's lives in that range at any point. If he gets up into the two twenties, you're talking Desclafani, Patrick Sandoval, Herman Marquez, Tristan mm-hmm. McKenzie. He can live in that range. I, I don't yeah. I don't think that's out of pocket. But if you're getting him later than that, 
I, I'm I'm open, and I I really do like the setup here with all those sharp defenders. Matt's has generally been a guy who keeps the ball down more mm-hmm. often than not. He's got a one four career ground ball to fly ball ratio. It may be the best division to pitch in too, in terms it, of the the offenses. In exactly. That you got the Cubs, Pirates at the bottom end there. Um, the Reds. Cincinnati is tearing it down yep. and. Yeah, Milwaukee's got a good offense, but not a great offense by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, not one that like is terrifying you, especially if Christian Yelich is still a shell of himself. So I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. Uh, Bush is a good place to pitch as well. I mentioned the Gold Glovers. I like this a lot. I think I'm with you. I'm going to move him up a little bit as well. I think it was statistically the best uh, defensive infield in the league this last year. I, I believe it. I mean, with all those so. with all those Gold Glovers, how could it not be? And I know a lot of times Gold Glovers. Gold Gloves still get people to roll their eyes, but they're better than they've ever been in terms of getting the right yeah. players picked. Okay. So I, I, I take them a little bit more seriously these days. They're not the offensive award that it used to be. And yes, folks, if you're young and you don't remember, Gold Glove, the defensive award, used to be an offensive award. I don't have time to explain it. It was the dumbest thing in the universe. <laughs> anyway, I'm moving him up to 56. Yeah, I, I'm going to move him up as well. Ooh. Um, I think I'm going to move him up to 57. All right. Well, right there. We're, we're in on the Matt's experience. I'm going to say, I'm going to put some numbers on it. He had a 382, 133 this past year. He might only do another 382, but I think it could come with like a 117 type whip. I think it could be sub 120 by limiting hits. And, uh, and so you say, well, why wouldn't the ERA improve? It, it, it could. I'm saying that even if it doesn't, though, he could have enough of a whip improvement to really drive a boost in value for Steven Matz. So I'm in, I'm in on Matz right now. And I just uh, think... want to say, too, before I forget, yes. um, uh, my ranks are up on the Patreon. For That's people. right. Um, they... I've also been, re- you know, for those of you who can't afford to subscribe to the Patreon, uh, you know, uh, or, or just don't re- want to, or don't it's, want to. It's yeah. Fair. Um, totally fair. Totally fair. I'm re- you know, been releasing them, uh, you know, on, on fan graphs, uh, you know, on the rotograph side of things. Uh, you've already but, got updates out. Yeah. I've already done my second run on fan graphs, um, of all the positions outside I'm of really very impressed with that, by the way. Uh, but I'm updating those lives and I've got some kind of cool things that I've put into the sheet. I don't know if you've seen, I have a, a tab that has all the MLB rotations projected as of now, and I've been updating that. I've also got closer charts uh, and a cheat sheet. So if you've got a draft and you want to use my ranks, you can actually print out two pages and have all of my ranks for every single position on two pieces of paper. I freaking see you out here. I love it. Very so, well done. This is fantastic. So, and I will continue to update those. And once... Paul inputs his ranks into mm-hmm. it. I will change the cheat sheet to reflect an average of both of our ranks. For those wondering, I was actually kind of waiting for the lockout to start just to get some of that team movement done. And I'll start to have mine out uh, beginning next week. I'll be releasing position by position as well. And then I'll have them on the uh, on the Patreon even ahead of that. I, I, I update them pretty much daily. I have my sheet mm-hmm. open all the time. So I might as well just put it out there for you all to, to see them. They're, they're ready for, for prime time. So, um, all right. That's not all the moves, but the rest are four relievers that we'll, we'll kind of speed through. I Mainly what I'm looking for here is if you think they have a chance to dethrone their current closer. Because none of these four guys no. are – okay. 
Well, then I'll see if, you, if you're tapping them for any sort of deep league fantasy value. So let's start with Kendall Graveman with the White Sox. You talked about Craig Kimbrell earlier. We already firmly believed you and I that he was gone. Kimbrell was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, nothing was going to change that. This expedites it, though. This mm-hmm. just tells you that there's no way they're keeping Hendricks, Kimbrell, and Graveman. They'll be able to trade Kimbrell for something substantial. Remember, they gave up Nick Madrigal, so they're going to be mm-hmm. able to get something Madrigalian, maybe, close to. Um, and then they have Graveman as a backup if Hendricks falters or anything. Do you like Graveman as a White Sox? I mean, I love him as a White Sox. In terms of fantasy, it kind of sucks because... Because he's, he's not going to close in, in Chicago. Uh, I guess he would become the next man up uh, if something were to happen to Hendricks. Uh, I think so. But, yeah, I, th- I mean, uh, if you're in holds leagues, he could, you know, ratchet up quite a quite a few holds. Yeah, he could be uh, one of the premier hold- holders. I agree. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think he's worth drafting just in leagues to uh, – uh, like get the ratio help and stuff and uh, you know kind of a cheap streamer and stuff like these and are the kind of guys I like in draft and hold leagues because... bingo that's the, uh, I was just about to say draft and holds included in what you're saying mm-hmm. I think these kind of guys these middle relievers that can give you some volume relative to relievers um, can be really nice as fill-ins so that you aren't in one of those positions that we were talking about earlier where you can't even field a a full pitching roster Kendall Graveman He's been really good, um, or he was excellent last year, I should say. He actually had, was pretty bad in 20. I thought he was better in 20, to be honest. I, I didn't realize he actually was kind of coming off a rough year. But he was excellent last year. There was a lot to believe in what he did. I think the White Sox will get a good 70-something innings out of him, and that can be useful. I agree with you, though. He's not really a threat to Hendricks. He's mm-hmm. specifically his backup. This one, though, I do think maybe. It depends on how healthy this guy is. But Kirby Yates... Remember, he missed all of, of last year. He was Toronto signed him. He was going to be their guy coming off of an excellent uh, 2019. And he threw four and a third innings in 2020 and nothing last year. So he's missed two years. He's going to be 35. You don't think he can maybe threaten Will Smith? Uh, maybe like halfway through the year or something like that if, if Will Smith struggles. Okay. Um, but... Uh, I don't know that he's going to be ready for the start of the season or anything. So also fair, also fair. Uh, so I, are you I even drafting Yates then? I'm not. Okay, I'm not either. Um, so he, yeah, the reports I've seen is that he's likely not even going to be ready until halfway through the season. Oh, and that's damn. the reason why oh, he got I a see two-year that deal. I see. Wait, when did he get the surgery? I think it was like late April. I want to say. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's devastating. I, I didn't realize he was going to miss so much of the upcoming. And yes. you're right. That's why you got the two years because they're looking at 2023. Yeah, they're doing like a Ken Giles thing. Bingo. Um, that's exactly what I was going to reference. So, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, Kirby Yates, he got Tommy John. Oh, uh, 324-21. Okay. So, so okay. I mean, so, he'll be a year removed once the season starts. But nah, So, yeah. you're right. He's not a threat. I, yeah, yeah, I don't I, think he's. I was wrong. I was wrong. He's not really a threat. Like you said, maybe down the stretch if mm-hmm. Smith's imploding and and Yates comes back strong. But other than that, no shot. This guy could be a threat though, and I'll tell you why. This next guy, Hector Neris, Neris in Houston, 
And it's not that I don't love Ryan Presley. In fact, I quite love him. He was one of my main targets this year as as my go-to closer, and he he treated me pretty well. I'm happy with my 26 saves um, and 32% strikeout rate, 225 ERA, .97 whip. Well, then why is Nerys a threat? Because Houston's a savvy team, they could be one of those teams that puts their best reliever in the fireman role and then their second best, which would be Nerys, into the closer's role. So I'm not like saying that Presley's out, but I'm saying there is a little bit of a threat here, in my opinion. What say you? Yeah, I could see that. Um, I also we also know that Presley has excelled as a setup guy, and uh, he said in interviews like he's he's okay with not closing. He just exactly. wants to help the team win. Yep. Um, Reese is just one of those guys that I feel like I'm Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. You're 100 percent right. And like uh, I, I don't know, like an old school manager, like. Like Dusty seems to be like one of those guys. Like, hey, I got my guy. I'm sticking with it. And I think yeah. Presley's this guy. So I think Presley is uh, gonna have the role to start the year. I think Nerys is is probably a second man up. But Nerys is talented. Don't be surprised if he pops off mm-hmm. and and Houston finds something to kind of get his walk rate in order. Because if they do, then he could take off and just be a holds god himself. Absolutely. And then the last one. This one I still I have a little bit of interest in. Not that he could take the closers role because it is open right now in uh, in Anaheim for the Angels, but Michael Lorenzen starting interests me. What do you think about that? <laughs> no. Why not? Uh, I mean, I, I I love Michael Simeone and and all you uh, and Lorenzen guys. I just. I, I don't know that it's ever going to work with him. I, th- I think he should be a multi-inning reliever. I think that's where he is most effective. And C.J. Wilson. C.J. Wilson. Yeah. Remember uh, when C.J. Wilson switched to starting and we were like, what the heck? And then it actually worked out. Yeah, it worked for a little while. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. The, I need to see it first. Like His that's price is going to be nothing, um, yeah. which is fine. So, like... You know, that's one of those guys where uh, you want to throw, you know, a late, his, his ADP is 631. Literally uh, your last pick. Like, you do yeah. not, like, you can love Lorenzen like Simeon and I do. Don't mm-hmm. overpay. You're foolish if you do, like, because you, you just do not have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can be one of your last two picks in virtually any format. Yeah, that, that's the uh, 42nd round in a 15th. <laughs> so there you go. So don't. Don't get too much. So it's not quite your last two picks, but anything after pick like 35 mm-hmm. is. He free. hasn't gone in every draft. So there that does, like, I mean, there are leagues where he's just he, in 50 round draft molds where he's going, you know, undrafted. So maybe I'm just a sucker because he's a cool player who can play, play the outfield, swing it a little bit. He can be a multi inning reliever. He didn't have a very good season. Let's let's be clear. Twenty twenty one, his twenty nine innings of work did not mm-hmm. go well. He had a five fifty nine yeah. ERA and a one thirty eight WHIP. I still like him though, and I do have a little bit of rose colored glasses with the Angels because of how desperately I want Otani and Trout in the postseason. So I freely admit that there's a little bit of kind of positively spinning things like, oh, Thor. I, I'm already in the bag for Thor big time. So now you put him on a team that I always try to see the bright side. <laughs> I I can't I can't be uh, asked for a realistic expectation on Syndergaard because I said 300 innings of a one ERA. That's that's my floor for him is mm-hmm. 300 innings of a one ERA. Yeah, and that then, seems right. Yeah, I mean, like I, I wanted to make sure I had some regression <laughs> built in. So that's why I said like a one ERA and not a .69 or anything. He- 
Lorenzen wants to be a two-way player still, right? Too, right? Like he said, like I, I think so. That's but don't the you have to like chose the Angels? Uh, which hey, if any team's gonna know what to do, it's them. But don't you have to like designate who can be? Can you have more than one? I have no idea. Aren't there some dumb rules on it now? I believe there is a rule, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I forget the specifics there. Maybe someone on Twitter can help us out at Spore at Justin Mason FWFB. But that's going to wrap up the bonanza here. As you mentioned at the outset, though, there is still some time for some more stuff, which we would cover later in the week if it does come to fruition. Uh, but once that lockout happens, it will be dead for a bit. But hey, this is one of the best off seasons we've had in a while, despite the awfulness yeah. that's looming. We we can do some of our uh, for some of our drafts. Uh, yes, we can. We can. We can. Our our pan, our pandemic drafts. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is it is gonna be it is gonna be quiet. No, we'll get back into the ranking stuff. If if we don't get a bunch of signings uh, for the end of the week, then I still have several of the outfield stuff I want to talk with you about, and then I'll start to have my rankings out. We'll get through the winter just fine. But uh, this bonanza has been a lot of fun. Uh, who who's best positioned to improve? Uh, you know, to to compete this year based on the moves they've done, is it as oh, simple as okay? I was going to say, Mets, is it as yeah. simple as saying the Mets? I mean, so you, you add Scherzer players, to that rotation, and now you've got Scherzer, Degrom, and you know Degrom's healthy. That's potentially you know two of the best one-two pitch, you know, punch in in MLB history. Like, and Barte's a premium center yeah. fielder, which yeah. is nice. I love Canvas really base. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, and they might not be done. They had been talked that they were still they in on Baez. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it, they are done. Would it surprise you if they went and pulled like a Trevor Story or well, probably not Story because they don't want to. They don't want guys who've been QO'd. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, I mean, they they could go after some guys too. They could continue to make moves and um, not just free agents, but trade because we talked about some mm-hmm. of their log jam too. So I don't think the Mets are done, but I do agree it's kind of the easy answer. But I do think that they they best position themselves to keep competing. I do like seeing Toronto and Seattle, two up and coming teams putting big moves out there. That's impressive. Of course, I am happy that my tigers have made big moves with Eduardo and Baez, even though it wasn't the shortstop I wanted. So it's been awesome to watch. Draft season is fully open as well. You can get in on five, $10 best balls at, at, at um, NFBC if you want and other sites. If you want to draft in the winter, it's all about learning the player pool. That's what you should be using the the time for, and that's why I really like the if, best ball. If you're in the Discord, like when when I when I start a new slow draft, I will well, throw it in there uh, to try to give our Discord uh, people uh, first opportunities. So it's a great call, and and at some point, probably after the new year, uh, we'll both get in one together. Nice. All right, we'll do that and then try to get as many of our of our folks in with us and have some fun with that. But uh, we'll talk later in the week. Until then, Justin, take care. Take it easy.